0: Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different from the rest. Today, I would like to begin a series on an important topic of the Middle Ages, the Italian city-states. These states existed between the 11th and early 16th centuries. These independent states on the Italian peninsula were often centered around a single city like Venice, Florence, Genoa, or Milan. They were unique because unlike the rest of the European continent, they didn't practice feudalism and they strongly resisted monarchies. Instead, they often tried to preserve the republic of their Roman forebears. They also practiced free trade, connecting the rest of Europe to the Byzantine and Muslim empires. This went both ways as they sold luxury goods of ceramics, glassware, lace, and silk from the east, but were also famous for shipping the crusaders from the west. In addition to merchants and shippers, the Italian city-states became legendary textile manufacturers, a tradition that continues in Milan, which is a fashion capital of the world to this day. The income from these industries greatly enriched these states, tripling the per capita income of Italians between the 11th and 15th centuries. This created a highly mobile, demographically diverse middle class. It also led to innovations in banking to store all of this wealth, as well as to fund new businesses and ventures. Credit markets became key to the success of these states. Most famously, these banks and their founders, like the illustrious Medici family, funded the arts and sciences, kicking off the Renaissance. Many of the most famous creators in this era were from Italian city-states. Galileo Galilei was from Pisa, Titian, Veronica Franco, and Marco Polo were from Venice. Raphael was from Urbino, and of course Leonardo da Vinci, Machiavelli, Dante Alighieri, Giotto di Bondoni, Botticelli, Donatello, and Michelangelo were all from Florence. And so you see, understanding these Italian city-states will be key to our future study of medieval Western civilization. These will explain how the Crusades happened, how the Renaissance started, how the ideas of republic and free markets endured, and this knowledge will help unlock some of the most important literature of the time, such as Dante's Divine Comedy, Machiavelli's The Prince, and William Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice. In this episode, I'll kick off the series by talking about the history, achievements, and contributions of the Republic of Venice. In later episodes, I plan to discuss the Duchy of Milan, Genoa, the Papal States, and the Republic of Florence. The Republic of Venice existed for 1,100 years, from its founding in A.D. 697 up until A.D. 1797, when they were conquered by Napoleon Bonaparte. The Republic of Venice got its start in the 6th century when like-minded Romans who were sick of barbarian invasions from the Goths retreated to the relative safety of the remote and mountainous north of Italy. This land was notoriously difficult to conquer. Some of these northerners even found their way to the coastal lagoons of East Italy at the head of the Adriatic Sea wedged between the Italian Peninsula and the Balkans. They worked as fishermen in an otherwise undesirable location being a remote and infested bog full of mosquitoes and other nasties. But it had a great advantage, like many great cities of old, like Petra. Nobody wanted it badly enough to commit to conquering it. In this way, they avoided conquest by the Huns and the Lombards. And instead, they were able to commit themselves as allies to the Byzantines. At first, the Venetian economy was largely based on the collection and distribution of salt that they gathered locally at Kyoga. But soon they expanded and became the middlemen for a vast, worldwide salt market. They would buy salt from eastern Mediterranean locations like Egypt and Cyprus. Then they'd sell this salt to the other Italian cities, often exchanging their salt money for salamis, prosciutto, cheese, wheat and other goods. Eventually, the Venetians became highly entangled in a thriving trade of captive people. At first they sold captive Italians as servants to the Moors in North Africa, but Pope Zachary felt very queasy about the sale of Christians to Muslims, and so he banned the trade. Those entrepreneurial Venetians could not be stopped though, so they began selling Eastern Europeans who hadn't been converted to Christianity yet. These Easterners were called Slavs, and from this word, we get the modern term, slave. In addition to being merchants, the Venetians were also craftsmen and builders. Venice became an industrial hub of the world, creating glassworks, medicine, and ships. The arsenal of Venice built commercial and military ships, and it is possibly the world's oldest factory. It even had an assembly line. Eat your heart out, Henry Ford. The importance of this building is expressed in the fact that it took up 15% of the limited real estate of Venice, and it employed over 2,000 laborers. According to Bienenstock Furniture Library, it was the Venetian guildsmen who perfected the art of making mirrors using glass, mercury, and tin, calling it mercury glass. They would adorned these beautiful glass works with ornate frames with beveled edges. These mirrors were highly sought after, and along with Venetian lace, turned Venice into Europe's leading exporter, an economic supremacy the city would maintain for more than 150 years. So important was mirror-making to the economy of Venice, that guildsmen were sworn to uphold trade secrets upon penalty of death. In the rare instance in which a guildsman was permitted to travel outside the city, his family was held hostage and if the traveler failed to return home, he forfeited their lives. Nevertheless, after King Louis XIV of France discovered that his noble kin were sending over a hundred thousand crowns to Venice each year in exchange for mirrors, in 1665, he smuggled 20 Venetian glassworkers into France, and he created a factory for them, thus hiking the production of mirrors exponentially in Europe. Now that we understand the Venetian economy, what were its politics like? VeniceByVenetians.com says, Along with commercial success, Venice was also a leading military power, whose territories were spreading from North Italy to Greece. The lands once owned by Venice belong now to seven different countries, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, Albania, Greece, and Cyprus. Politically, Venice was close allies with Constantinople and the Byzantines. They had very favorable trade agreements thanks to Venice's support in defending Constantinople from Norman and Turkish invaders. As the centuries went on, however, the balance of power between the two powers reversed, with Venice becoming the dominant force. Eventually, Venice and the Crusaders actually conquered Constantinople and looted many of the great statues and works of art of that great city. The Republic of Venice was ruled by an oligarchy of merchants and aristocrats. The Doge was the most important political entity and was elected for life by members of the Great Council of Venice, which was the city's parliament. And that concludes our short episode for today. With a recent health scare, I've had to step back from making the podcast a little bit, but I wanna continue making episodes for you guys, even if they come in this shorter format. Thank you so much for your continued support and for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. For more information on this topic, check out the sources listed in the description. I'm Doug Archway, and that's history for you.